The reason I keep going back to it is because that's the source of a lot of the misunderstanding in church history. This morning uh, I was kind of toying a little bit with Aaron and so on, on Paul and his calling and, and, and the, him going to the synagogue and so on and so forth. But there's a lot of, of misunderstanding. What Paul did was, he had, his calling was to go to the Gentiles. So he, and and in, the, in a near future con, uh, 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 teaching, we're going to talk about Paul's testimony. He gets four times. Each one's a little different. Each one adds some stuff to it. And you see that picture. And part of that has to do with who we are as well. Okay? And it, part of it has to do with miraculous things taking place. Opening the eyes of blind people. Not, not the physically blind, blind so much as those who are spiritually blind. Leading people from death in, uh, into life. We are to impart the words and teachings of Yeshua that lead people to eternal life. It's not just a knowledge of stuff and how it works. But it's, it's an eternal benefit, things of eternal value that we are to be investing in. And when I was toying with, with Aaron, you know, it's P Paul the Apostle to the, and we, it's Gentiles, which is the sort of the correct answer. But there's sort of more, more than one answer to that. Because you see, the us Greek-thinking people tend to think of a yes or no. Gentiles or Jews? Who is, who is it to? Blah, blah, blah. And going back to that priority that Yeshua uh, said with his disciples, he said, go first to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It's priority. Not to neglect the rest of the nations. The Great Commission, we're to go to all of the nations, all people groups in all places, everywhere, and bring his message. But the priority is, but go first to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And the one thing I, I didn't say was that as we look at church history, which all these misunderstandings come in church history of how this has been misconstrued and looked at through different filters and cultures, not Jewish. As the Jewish roots are severed and people try to analyze and say, what does this mean from an Italian, European, uh, Middle Ages perspective, they interpret it. When the context is a Jewish first century interpretation using Hebraic idioms, of what those things meant. And so you get all kinds of the crazy stuff because they go to allegory, which actually you can make it read any way you want if you go to allegory. And you, it, it's, uh, it's not a, a parable. It's, it's way different. But church history, to sum it up, has gone to the Jew last, not first. It hasn't been the priority. It's, it, it is because of anti-Semitism. As we move up toward the time of Constantine, those Jewish roots were severed on purpose and replaced with everything different. Now, I really wish I had like uh, three days with you. Because as I'm just thumbing through Acts, as Aaron did so quickly this morning, it was amazing, he did the whole book of Acts uh, just, just this morning. Uh, okay, uh, a, a question. You know, when Luke is writing Acts, and he's, he's writing, there's times in there and dates and things. Luke, what calendar is Luke using? He's using the Jewish calendar. If you look at this, he's not using the Roman. They're a Roman country, Roman territory, right? He's using the Jewish calendar. Every time he refers to a date, it's on the Jewish calendar. He refers to the holidays. He refers to, okay, it's like, he, you know, they were thinking, the, content, the thought process is all Hebraic, even in the holidays. They didn't absorb into the Roman. They spoke into the culture. They didn't, did not absorb the culture. See, you see, there's a big difference. In, in missions, uh, uh, Yeshua's message and who he is is what's called supracultural. He and his message fit into any culture in the world. Any culture in the world. 
Okay? The word hallelujah. Hebrew word. How do you say it? Anywhere you go. Well, you guys are good. You study a lot, huh? Isn't God just the neatest person to, to, to arrange that one? Okay? Like, it's hallelujah. I mean, I go to Mexico, they say hallelujah. You know, it's, 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 isn't that amazing? How the, word, how the word praise is the same. But it's Hebrew. It's Hebrew. Well, and all those things that were severed and cut, you get the crazy interpretations. Like I said, sort of the uh, Greek or Italian um, filters. And today, you and I look at things, not, you're learning, and I'm learning, but through American 20th century filters and word usage. And so on, how certain words were used, how they're used today. The question is, how were they used back then? Well, we talked about some of the common terms, uh, jargon. Uh, there's, a, you know, where people get all upset, and you have all this negative stuff about, about Jewish things, which uh, we want to clarify a lot of this as we talk. And one of the things has to do with uh, uh, being legalistic, uh, going back to the law, legalism, uh, the Talmud. Do you know what the Talmud is? Uh, the, the Mishnah, the oral law, the written law. We're not under the law anyway, so why, what's the, why, why worry about it? Okay, all these, all these different things. But if you have the understanding of what those things meant, in the culture in which we live, even that term law okay, has, has come to mean something other, dip, way different from what it used to mean. And we talked about some of the t terms. And I, when I say these things, I'm the one who's guilty from my past where I came from. And what I said was where I came from had people that really, really loved the Lord. I mean, they would die for him. They love him dearly. But we, me, me, we were victims of some people just telling us stuff. We just believed it because we, we, we respected them. And we didn't, we didn't study. We didn't research. And neither did they because they had not connected with any kind of Jewish roots at all. And, and the reason is, if you think in those terms, you're accused of being legalistic and going back to the law, which, which that concept is not Jewish. That concept is 20th century American viewing the law different from what we have in, in, in Scripture. And so, some of the common uh, terms that have been used, that I have used myself, are, well, you know, we, we're, a, we're, we're a New Testament church. Remember that one? Talk about that. We're a New Testament church. And I ask, well, what does that mean? And I should have asked that uh, 40 years ago. What does that mean? Well, it means we believe in the New Testament. Well, we believe in the New Testament. Every single word, every single letter is inspired by the Holy Spirit. Okay? What do they mean by that? Well, they start, part of that means, oh, and we want to go back to being like the early church. That was a, you ever heard that one, right? Have you? I used to say that. Without knowing what that meant. What were they like? See, when I use the word church now, I'm not talking about, you, you have been educated in the last few weeks, right? I can say that word because people are using it as jargon. You know what, I, what, what Yeshua meant by the term, okay, uh, the, the community that Messiah builds. That was his intention. Other stuff happened along the way. So I'll, I'm going to use that other term for a bit because people use that. So how are you going to address that? Well, the, we want to be like uh, uh, the early church. We're, we're, we're a New Testament church. What does that mean? What does that mean? Well, first of all, we kind of we ended with this last time. Uh, let's describe the early church just a bit. Well, like I asked you, when Paul went to Ephesus, where do you go to church? Well, he didn't. He went to the synagogue. And he, went, he went to the synagogue. 
and, and, and Corinth, he went to the synagogue. Remember in my reading as we started today? Let's turn there. Acts 8, 18. Every page in Acts, surprise, surprise. Acts 18. Some of you were a little late today, but... Now, Aaron, we're not going to go back to where we were, okay? I promise. You did good. You're my straight man today. Acts 18. After these things, Paul departed from Athens. That was an interesting time in Athens. And went to Corinth. I've been to Corinth. And it's an interesting place. And it was very pagan. I mean, I mean, way pagan when, when Paul arrived there. He found a certain Jew named Aquila born in Pontius, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. This is actual verifiable history where the Roman emperor kicked all the Jews out of Rome, if you were, even if you were a believer. Isn't that interesting? The believing Jews. But later that would change, but you have to make a decision. Well, if you're a believing Jew, you're a Christian, and you're no longer a Jew, therefore we don't kick you out. See that, where that process went? That was later on. But it's starting here, the anti-Semitic uh, gestures. So because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked. For by occupation, they were tent makers. Some other time we'll go into that word. It's not what you think. They weren't making the Coleman tents, okay? And he, not right now, not, not time. And he, okay, here, this morning I mentioned this word. And he reasoned, Paul did, in the synagogue. Now he went to Corinth, this pagan Gentile city. In the next line here, he's in the synagogue. The apostles of the Gentiles, right? He's in the synagogue. Well, what's in that synagogue? And he was, look at the word, reasoning in the synagogue. Every Shabbat. Why isn't he going to church on Sunday? Well, he went to the synagogue every Shabbat and persuaded both Jews and Greeks what were the Greeks doing in the synagogue? And if they had converted to Judaism, they wouldn't be called Greeks. They're Jews. All right? Because they didn't convert. You could, but there were the God-fearers. The whole lesson we could do uh, that, that Luke points out all through Acts of Gentiles who believed in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who believed in the Bible, but stayed Gentiles. They didn't convert to Judaism. And they were accepted as a part of the community. Listen to that, would you? They were accepted as a part of the community? Sounds kind of like us, doesn't it? We have Jews and Gentiles together in the same synagogue. And they're accepted as a part of the community without a conversion process. That was taken care of in Acts chapter 15. Where they addressed the issue, do Gentiles who believe in Yeshua have to convert to Judaism to be a part of the community? Because as you remember... The, the logic of the thinking of the time was that they knew Messiah would build his community. But the theology was, but it'll be Jewish only. Exclusively Jews. Nope. They didn't read Isaiah. Well, they read, they read it with, with a filter. Just like we do. A lot of stuff, okay? I'm praying for eyes that are opened by the Spirit of God to see stuff we've never seen before. Well, okay, now, uh, there were Greeks. Gentiles and Jews who believe the same worshiping together. And all through the book of Acts, that's the model we have, which is the model of Messianic Judaism. 
And the proper term for us would be a Messianic synagogue. Because if you go to the, to the actual term, and you see also, too, it, it comes out the, the, almost the same if you use the word for church and so on. However, as soon as you do that, you lose the Jewishness of the picture when you talk to people. So if we say, you're a, are you a Messianic church? And some of you who are new say that. And it's okay. It takes time to, to change gears with, with terminology, okay? But if you say that, and there's Jewish people there, they go, you see, they have a different picture. But if you say, I go to a Messianic synagogue, well, now, wait a minute. Now, how does that work? That opens the door to discussion. So, back to these guys. We have Jews and Gentiles together. Now, when, Paul, when it said Paul was reasoning with them, what was he doing? Do you, th- do you think it was, well, hi, why don't we have a little cup of tea here, and let's discuss the deity of, of, of Yeshua, okay? He's God in the flesh, and yeah, no. And you'll see this in Israel today when we live there. On one of my first trips, I thought these two rabbis were going to kill each other on the spot. Okay, they have their, their prayer books, their Bibles. They're this close to each other's noses. You know, and they're sweating, and, and they're like this, and they're just like this. And this. You know, what, what we have in reasoning is, so it's a Hebraic term, where it's you are expressing a deep conviction of yours to someone else who doesn't have the same conviction that you do. In other words, you're right and they're wrong. That's the way it works. Right? Isn't that right? That's right. But it's like in their face. I mean, it's like they're yelling. They're just going like this. It's like an intense. Now, we who are, have a, this Greek mindset, this 20th century um, uh, uh, Greek worldview, think they hate each other. But no, that's not what happens. At the end of that conversation, he goes, well, I don't see it the way you do, but, you know, I'll see you tonight at Shabbat dinner, okay? Take care. See you later. Stay out of the missus from me. It's like they're, they're friends. Yeah, but they can talk in, with intensity over issues. And they have the right to change their mind anytime they want. It's like, wait a minute, yesterday you were, well, yeah, but I, 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 I changed my mind. But what Paul was doing here, reasoning in the synagogue, what, what about? It was just like, I know something. What, what is it? Look at, look at it again. This gets really good. He persuaded, uh, and he reasoned in the synagogue every Shabbat and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. Persuaded them for what? When Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is really putting something heavy on him. And testified to the Jews, these are the ones in the synagogue, that Yeshua is Messiah. It was like, wait, what? we've got to get there. So what did Paul say? I think it was like this. He said, okay, you guys, sit down. I want all the Jewish people right here. Okay, good. Okay, take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 8. And we're going to show you a thing or two. Oh, no, John chapter 1 would be better, wouldn't it? John chapter 1. It wouldn't be written for 40 more years or so. He didn't do that. Okay, hang on. We'll show you what he did do. He was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Yeshua is Messiah. But when they opposed him and blasphemed, he shook his garments, and this is the Pharisaic thing to do, said to them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Now, he's saying this in the synagogue. Okay, I'm done. You won't listen to me. And again, you, you who were late this morning, right here we get one of those anti-Semitic teachings. 
from, from Bible teachers are saying, you see, the Jews rejected, rejected the Messiah. They, they rejected Jesus right here. Paul went to them, and they didn't listen. And Paul says, I'm done with you. And the implication on the radio is, we should be done with them because they're, they're like this. They don't listen. Why waste your time? I've heard that. I've, I've actually heard them saying, you're wasting your time witnessing to Jews because they're spiritually blind. I'm thinking of our conferences of going, well, they don't know that. <laughs> Those thousands of the conference didn't hear about that one. Their eyes are open. And they say, well, it's, it, says, it says right there, the blindness. Paul teaches that. The blindness has come upon them. Oh, wait a minute. What did you say? Oh, blindness in part has come upon them. That means that some are blind. That was good. Does that mean we, they, they look through, a, 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 their eyelids are half down? One eye's open and one eye closed? No. What that means is that some can see it and some don't. You and I don't. You brought that up too. You and I don't know who is who. You see? So we're to witness to everybody. Because some will listen and then some won't. And what do you see about the Gentiles? They're not like that, are they? That some will listen and some won't? Well, he says that a couple of chapters later. He says the exact same things about the non-Jews, that some, the, the blindness in parts come upon them too. It's that some will see it and some don't. <clears throat> I found uh, in the military, you know, as a chaplain, when I sit around, you all wear the same uniform, so you don't know who's who. So at lunch, they go, so uh, what kind of church are you from? And they all give the, give the denominational things, and I go, I, I lead a Messianic Jewish congregation. And they go, what's that? And so I explain it to theo- people with masters and PhDs in theology in, in this table. I have found this, that they either get it or they don't. It's one or the other. It's not partial. It's they, they see it or they don't. And, and that's kind of what, you know, when you present the, the, the Messiah, they either see it or they don't. But you and I don't know who will see it and who won't. Or who will see it later? You see, some of you in this room were the later version. Yeah, it, it was a lot of work the Holy Spirit had to do to get you in the kingdom. Because people had to pound on you and drag you and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And finally, you know, I've got some great stories of people that don't give up on people. Because the very ones that, that you think, there's no way they'll, guess what? They're going to be leaders someday. Because God does that powerful work in their heart, and, and the light, come, everything comes to life. It's like, whoa, I see it all. Let's go. And you go, wait a minute, before you... So, don't stop praying for people. Some see it, and some don't. So, he, here's the situation, and, and what we're taught is that he gave up on the Jews. That's our example. So, we go to the Gentiles who will listen. Who will listen. Some do, and some don't. Okay. So... And then we pointed out this morning the next verse, which, was, which is so, so great. So he departed from there and entered the house of a certain man named Justice, one who worshipped God. By the way, this guy's a Gentile who worships God, like the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He, he's, he's a believing Gentile, okay? Whose house was next door to the synagogue. You think that was like chance? Paul intentionally just, he goes to the house next door so they can listen on Shabbat to his teachings, his music, his readings, his interpretations, because he's going to talk really loud, I imagine. All right? Keep those windows and doors open, okay? 
Justice, open those doors. I want those guys to hear, to hear what I'm saying. Because Paul was not only a Pharisee with... See, we need that question. When did Paul stop become, uh, being a Pharisee? When he was converted on the road to Damascus? We haven't talked about that one yet. Well, he wasn't, but... No, every time Paul gives his testimony, he never says that when I was a Jew, when I used to be a Jew, when I was Jewish, time and time again he says, I am a Jew. Well, wait, 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 wait. You're a Jewish Christian, right? I am a Jew. And as he gives his testimony, nothing in his Jewishness is altered whatsoever except that he's come to faith in a Jewish Messiah, prophesied about by Jewish prophets in a Jewish book written in a Jewish land. And he, by the way, he uses that book, you know, the Old Testament, that one, in his witnessing and sharing to show that Yeshua is the Messiah. <clears throat> That's the book that, that he uses. So, uh, <laughs> let's go back to this. <clears throat> the best is yet to come. Um. Oh, the page flip. I was back in Thessalonica, which is a great... Experience in itself. Actually, I'm going to show you that soon because uh, where Paul spent the least amount of time, which was Thessalonica, they had one of the one of the most on fire synagogues. How'd that happen? Read the Book of Acts. Okay, so he's next door to the synagogue in Justice's house. Then Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, that's the president of the synagogue. Okay. Comes to the Lord. He believes in the Lord and all of his household. Donna, did you hear that one? And all of his household. That was one of the questions that she had about the Philippian jailer. You will be saved in your household? Have it here again. Have it here again. Okay? Look at that. That's nice. I like that. His entire household. He's the leader. He's the ruler. He's the rabbi. He's in charge. They follow. That community would follow their rabbi. All right? That's what Yeshua was saying He's building a community that follows him. But the difference is that, that the people back then thought it would be Jewish only. He says, no, it's Jews and Gentiles. And they said, how's that going to happen? It's called the Great Commission. That's going to be a lot of work. We have to educate all those people. In the Old Testament, you know? I'm not through with that one. That's really fun. I'll tell you why in about one and a half minutes. Let's finish this one. So the, the president comes to the Lord. That's, by the way, that's the one you want to leave to the Lord, the, the, uh, the rabbi. And because of that, many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed, and were immersed. Oh, they were baptized into the Christian church, right? Right there. Well, not time to do our teaching on immersion and the mikvah. But whenever you had a spiritual awakening, you were immersed. That, Acts chapter 2. It, you have it there. When these guys had a, in other words, the spiritual awakening is, I know who the Messiah is. That's a biggie right there. When, they, when that happened, they were immersed. And it was in public. Can you imagine that? The testimony of the president of the synagogue announcing, why are you being immersed? Because I have come to believe that Yeshua of Nazareth is the Messiah of Israel. Whoa! Pray for those things. They still happen, okay? They still happen. <clears throat> All right. Uh, okay. Now the Lord spoke to Paul in a night vision. He said, do not be afraid, but speak and do not be silent, for I am with you. 
and no one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. I need to point out that this is a prophetic statement. They had not yet come to faith, but God acts as if they did, because God's not bound by time. He sees the future as, it, as is the present. And those people that will come to faith, he sees as already coming to faith. The book of Revelation is full of people who haven't been born yet, okay, but they're going to be around the throne. But, and God saw them. John saw them. He was whisked into the future. God sees you as already being there if that's the decision that you're going to make. That's a different subject, isn't it? We have a good question on that one, by the way. And he continued, there are a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. Wait a second. Teaching the word of God. What was he? It wasn't Romans. It wasn't John. He's teaching the word of God among them. What's he teaching? Well, well wait a minute. Now, he, he was mentoring Timothy. He was raising Timothy up. Timothy became the leader of the largest Messianic congregation in the world, Ephesus. He tells Timothy to do what? Study what? Mm. Okay, he said, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, doctrine, correction, reproof, and so on. All scripture. It's not the book of Romans he's talking about? Not the book of John? All scripture. When he, when he says that, what's he talking about? The Old Testament. The Tanakh. Torah. That's what he's talking about. Now, that's what they use to lead people to Messiah. And you need to learn to do that. Because if you're witnessing to a Jewish person and you say, uh, turn to the book of Hebrews, they're going to say, wait a minute, that's not one of my books. Well, it actually is. But, but you need to learn to show them the prophecies and teachings about Yeshua that are only in Tanakh. Because that's what they did. If you're going to be a, a part of the early church, the New Testament church, that's what they did. That's what they did. Uh, they didn't have uh, the New Testament, the New Testament church. They didn't have buildings. You know that the first, quote, church building, at this point we're getting to the other word for church, the one that's uh, traditional. The first church building it was about 300 years until it was built. There are synagogues. There are buildings. Community centers. They went to the synagogue. And people's homes were opened up. They had outside meetings. Um, Lydia met by the river. But, the, but when you say a church, sometimes people think, what address is, is your church? Well, they mean the building, not, not the people. In the Bible, the community is the people. But that didn't happen for a, a while. The, the the early church did not have buildings. They didn't have denominations. You know, today they say, well, what denomination are you? There are at least 54 kinds of Baptists alone. Now, I've got to tell you something. If you're sharing with Jewish people, and our guides in Israel um, are very intelligent, uh, master's degrees and so on, and they go, can you explain this to me? I mean, I mean there's all this plethora of denominations, but let's just take Baptists alone. Fifty-four different kinds? Why? And it's like, you know, that's not, it's not good. Well, we fight. Over what? Well, they're not really very big issues, really. Well, and we, and we divide up, and it's, well, this picture is the opposite of what the picture of Messiah and what Paul taught about being in unity together. No denominations. Now, within Judaism, 
there were Hellenists. There were Orthodox at that time. All right, so, but they saw things a little different, but they didn't, it wasn't like today. It wasn't like today. There was, the early church had no fixed organizations, organization at all. I mean, the leaders of Jerusalem, they, when a problem existed, they went to them for a final word, but it wasn't all that tight. The, the structure of authority wasn't in place yet. And when it got into place, it ended up being not so good. What else? How about the, the jargon, the words, the terms, the, the terminology? Do we have jargon? Oh, yeah, we do. We have, we have jargon, religious jargon. Now, back then, the only exception would, would have been Jewish biblical terms that Paul uses all through his writings. And that's a lot of places that have been misunderstood because he'll use a rabbinic term. And they take that and twist it all around. So if you understand what it meant back then, it was, oh, okay, I, I see that. The early church, the New Testament church, did not have a elaborate um, set of uh, doctrinal statements. You know, some of these groups, there are pages and pages, ours is two pages, uh, fine print. Okay, how, how did they exist without all that definition? You know what the first creed was? First statement of faith, first statement of doctrine? It was three words. Yeshua is Lord. That was it. Yeshua is Lord. And on the Mount of Olives today, uh, archaeologists have found um, the, uh, uh, the sarcophagi, the, the, the bone boxes of early, this period, Jewish believers. And on their bone boxes, their, their sarcophagus, it says, Asuaris, that's right, Asuaris. Uh, uh, sarcophagus was the Egyptian, the, the big ones. Really ugly ones, yeah. He's correct. It, are the words, Yeshua is Lord. Yeshua is Lord. In, in a way, that says it all. Is he Lord? What, is, what did that mean to them? Is he your Lord? Is he your Lord? And what is it, again, that, that he's building? Well, the question that we partially answered last week, it goes like this. Paul, was he attempting to convert Gentiles, convert Gentiles to form a new Christian religion? Or did Jews and Gentiles worship together until Constantine? And there's more than one question here. Was Paul teaching Torah and, and Judaism to Gentiles? How do we answer that? When you see you, you Greeks are sounding forth here, the Greek mentality as well as a yes or no. Did he or didn't he? And the answer is yes and no. Because all of the answers are not easy answers. They're not yes or no. As an example, and I'm going to end on in one minute, instead of like last week, remember I went over too, too far? Uh, on this one, was Paul teaching Judaism to Gentiles? Now, when I say that, because that's a fiery question with a potential fiery answer that gets us all in big trouble. Are we to be doing that or not? Did Paul do that or not? My question is this, then. Uh, when you say Judaism, what do you mean? 
You see, you have a, when I say the word, you have a picture of something. And I'm guessing that most of you have a picture of Judaism today. That's not, Paul, that didn't exist back then. Paul couldn't have taught Judaism of today. It didn't exist. Rabbinic Judaism did not exist at that point in time. What did exist was that, if you call it Judaism, it was biblical Judaism based on Tanakh. Did he teach the scriptures? Yes, he did. Yeah, well, there, okay, the law, the Tanakh, the Old Testament, the inspired word of God. Everybody, and he was a Pharisee. They agreed. That was the inspired word. They teach that. Well, what about the uh, oral law? Did, did he teach that? Did, did, did you practice that? You all know, okay, let's start with, with the Mishnah. I've got 32 seconds, so I'm going to quit. The law, as you know, is, is this. God said this. We don't want to alter what God said. But just to make sure we don't cross the line, the Mishnah built a fence around it. So if you don't cross the fence, you don't break the law, you don't get in trouble. The Christian church has done the same thing. Okay? So it's not so bad, but it started off with, with a good thought. So that's the Mishnah, the oral law. Now, did Paul teach new believers, Gentile believers, that they should do the Tanakh or the Tanakh and the Mishnah? And people think, well, it's a yes or no. No? Now listen. We'll set the stage for next week on page two of my 40 pages, okay, for next week. When Yeshua taught, see, there's a little... There's no such thing as a Bible code, but there's codes in the Bible. But only codes because we don't think Hebraic thoughts. Once you start doing that, you're going to see some big ones. Also, in the next couple of weeks, I'll show you some gigantic ones that people then understood because that's how they thought. Okay, when Yeshua taught, you all know these terms. He would say things like, you've heard that it was written. You've heard that? You've heard that it... People ask him a question. You've heard that it was written. But other times they'll say, you've heard that it was said. Those are familiar, right? What does it mean? He's referring to the written law and the oral law. He, he's, he's te- the Pharisees at the time believed in both. In both. The Sadducees believed in neither. This is going to be fun because where's the right, where's right in this? But Yeshua, my only point is this. Yeshua did not lump it together. He separated it. And when we teach here, we have, we have a, a history of Judaism. And part of the traditions, a major part of the traditions, have to do with the Talmud, which is made up of the Mishnah, of the Oral Law, and the Gemara, commentary. So the whole thing comes together, a commentary on interpreting the written law. Sometimes, though, people act like that's the inspired word of God, when it isn't. This is, right here. But the difference is what Yeshua was teaching and what Paul taught and what we teach is this. That you need to understand those traditions, where we've come from, what our history is. It's the richest heritage of all time. But you also need to understand the difference of what is the written law and what is the oral law. So you, you can know this and this and make your judgments based on that. Know, what, know why you do what you do, why you don't do what you don't do. And if you do something that's a tradition... It's not necessarily wrong at all. Yeshua did some traditional things. Paul didn't. He taught them. As long as it's not in conflict with Scripture. Is this getting complicated? It is complicated. It is complicated. Sukkot has lots of traditions in it that Yeshua did. And when he did those, that makes it okay for us, right? But it was part of 
the Mishnah. But the idea was when he taught, he separated the two to know the difference. And then you make a decision based on, I'm doing what I'm doing because it's the inspired written word of God. Or I'm doing what I'm doing because it's a Jewish tradition that's meaningful to me. You see, we have a lot of that stuff the church doesn't have. But you need to understand what it is. It takes time and study <laughs> and understanding of the scripture and, and those little code words that are Hebraic idioms. That open up doors of understanding. And before anybody gets nervous about that, it takes the truth, the simple truths of our, of our simplistic faith. It deepens them immensely. It doesn't take any of them away at all. None. None. It deepens them. It makes them very dramatic. And that's why you need to learn those. Because what we believe, our doctrinal statement, is it's a, it's a powerful thing. It's based on what God has revealed. And there's, 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 power, there's drama and power in that. In the life of Yeshua, in his words and ministry, there's, there's power in those things. Those little side comments, they're, they're big. They're, they're huge. I'll give you one next week that you all know. I've heard a jillion times. And when you understand that one word, it, it changes the entire course of how we're to live. It makes it really hard. Because Yeshua has called us to do some things that he did that we don't want to do that are really hard to do. When I was little kids today, okay, when it came to doing kind things, I'm going to show you some of those. Let's all stand.